y'all. Welcome to Carmichael Radio. This is a podcast about Carolina women's basketball. My name is Travis Lund, and I am here with Terry Stacker. Hey, guys. Welcoming back Anthony Battle. What's up, Tar Heel fans? And Andrew Kurzale. Good to be here, guys. Let's do it. Yes, sir. Let's get right into it. Sunday afternoon which was uh, yesterday as we record, probably more than likely Tuesday when you're hearing this, dear listener, Uh, in Carmichael, 79-68 over them Cardinals from Louisville and their weird, toothy, for some reason, bird mascot and Cranky Pants coach Jeff Waltz sent him out of there with an L, which is always a satisfying thing to do. Uh, That places Carolina pretty squarely in control of the conference, a six and one record and tiebreakers over everybody else who also is one loss in the conference uh, moves us to 14 and five overall and up to number 20 in the AP poll. Um, I'm sure we will talk about uh, how we feel about that and uh, who some of the teams we've beaten, uh, how they were treated by the voters. Although, um, you know, it's wise not to put too much stock in AP voters because Half of them, half of the makeup of that particular body of voters is uh, not necessarily the most plugged in. Uh, but uh, before we get into the game here, um, Paulina Paris was in street clothes for this one um, after being out the last game and was her left leg looks really stiff. Um, her gait was fairly antalgic walking around pregame, which does not bode well, obviously. Um, Guard rotations getting awfully short on the bench. Um, I haven't seen any definitive time time for her return yet, but given how she was moving around out there, uh, I would not anticipate anytime super soon. So that is just something to be mindful of and keep an eye on going forward here. Um, anyway, let's get into the game headline with our queen DK, who is just continues to be on an absolute rip these past couple of games. Uh, 23 points, two boards, six dimes, 412 from the floor, uh, hit one of her only two three-pointers. And again, uh, more critically for our conversation the last couple of pods, was 14 to 16 from the stripe, including once again being absolutely clutched down the stretch when we really needed to hold that lead. Um, I swear to God, somebody you know how they they hand them ipads or whatever after each game and it's like all right you're here's how your assistant coach what what they want you to focus on i swear after that notre dame game they just put the chiron up that they showed of her free throw percentage and dk like that was the only thing they showed her to look at film after that game and dk looked at that and said all right bet because she has been knocking them down and just on a rip since that moment um Slightly concerning, this was her f- second consecutive game not coming off the floor. Um, she has now played 80 straight minutes of the 80 that were available in the last two games for a single player to play. So um, can our girl get some rest, hopefully, at some point down the line? Um, the the uh, podcast jinx we have been discussing vis-a-vis various shooting trends of uh, Adrian, I know you texted me about this like right midway through the first quarter. So, uh, Lexi, uh, cooled off a little bit, but started out on an absolute heater. Um, after we had bemoaned her recent shooting struggles, uh, 
put up 13 points, three boards, went five of 12 from the floor, three of seven from behind the arc. Um, so back to something, at least in the ballpark of her former self, which was excellent to see. And of course was an absolute pit bull on defense. Um, Liz just continues to be the, the skeleton key Swiss army knife magician that we know her to be at this point. Um, 10 points on five and nine shooting 12 boards, two dimes, two steals and a career high seven, seven magnificent blocks. Um, did foul out. We can get to the officiating, uh, in a little bit here. Um, Renaya now squarely in that starting role, um, with P out. And, um, I thought, um, there was one three she pulled, uh, late in the game that was a little early in the possession. Um, especially when we were trying to kind of bleed clock there. But other than that, um, pretty nice game for her. Uh, nine points, three boards, five dimes, a steal. Um, only one of four behind the arc, but four of nine from the floor. And I, I thought overall another very solid game from her. Um, Maria continues to, they, they've kind of curtailed her minutes here, but she continues to just do absolutely yeoman's work in them. Uh, 8.7 boards and a block. Um, so that was the starters. Um, let's start with Lexi because this was kind of our emphasis of concern the past couple of podcasts. And she broke out of that, um, Terry, I know you were you were also in the building for this one. What did you what did you see out of her? And and do you think uh, based on what we saw that this is we're we're back to the Lexi that we got used to the first part of the season? Yeah, I think we back. I hope we're back. Um, at least you know she started out really hot, which she scored the first like ten points for us. Um, before having to go to the bench with her two fouls. But she started out really aggressive. This is the Lexi that we need to see day in and day out um, from her. You know, we know she's a three-point specialist, but she was like haunting her shots um, inside the arc as well with her pull-up jump, jump shots that are starting to look um, better and better as the season progressed. So uh, proud of her and the way that she started the game, and hopefully she can keep it up. Yeah, for sure. Anthony, we we missed you, buddy. So let's uh let, let's give you the floor for a minute here. Give us your thoughts on Lexi and um and more broadly what you what you saw out of uh Sunday's performance here. Uh first of all, I just want to say um it feels good to be back at the top. Um granted, we haven't necessarily secured the top position, but just to be there, it's been a long time, I should say, a long time. I can remember uh a time that we had an open practice. I mean, an open tryout um, just to get players to, to play for Carolina Women's Basketball Program. So just hats off to that. You know, we're in an upward trend, and I hope we can continue to, you know, just 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 put more Ws together, put more dubs together. But, um, yeah, Lexi, you know, I was a little harsh on her the last couple of times because um, I felt as though I didn't know necessarily her game, so to say. But I see somebody got in the gym and just, you know, just just put in that work. You know, we can we can see throughout the games um, from, let's just say, a few games prior opposed from now. They're all in the gym. They're focusing. You know, they're making their free throw shots. They're just, I guess it's just polishing. It's, it's, it's now time to polish. And I guess, you know, we're just seeing the fruits of their labor. So, you know, hats off to the girls. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm just, I'm excited. We, we, we're number one. You know how long that's been? I think it's been a long time to say Carolina's women's basketball is at the top of the ACC. So, yeah, I'm excited for that. 
Yeah, one hundred percent on that, man. Um, Andrew, give us get, give us your hits on Lex, and then um, you had sort of been the uh, uh, the 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 staunchest sort of um, really wanting to see some improved decision making from Renaya. How did give us your thoughts on Lex first, and then and then hit up uh, what Renaya did on Sunday from your vantage point. Yeah, uh, Lex getting off to that really hot start was it really changed the kind of the tone of the game on the outset. Uh, she hit an open three off of an assist that was catch and shoot early. She came off of a ball screen and got to like a little 15 footer against drop coverage and hit that. And it really, what that does. And I think CB talked about this during her post game presser is that when that happens that early in the game, it opens up so much of the floor for everyone else. Uh, and it, it, she commands a lot of attention. I think that's kind of what we got from that point on. Like it, she commanded more attention in transition. She took a couple pull-up threes in transition that didn't go in, but you know, it's like we talked about last podcast. I think it's really one of those things that really good shooters are going to go through sometimes. And this is hopefully the breakthrough game for her. Uh, granted didn't shoot it super well the rest of uh, the night, just three points after that first quarter, but uh, she still is driving the ball a couple times. I thought she got hit at least once uh, and didn't get a call. But the fact that she's driving it at all is a much more welcome sign for me uh, than earlier in the year. There, I mean, they're still like they they have put her in slightly more ball screens. I've noticed. I don't know if Lexi is the kind of person that's gonna consistently make really good reads off of ball screens like she missed a couple passes that were definitely open uh when i watched it back on film but that's just not lexi's game uh so i'll take that with a grain of salt i'll give her a pass on that Renaya, on the other hand um still one of the best decision makers in terms of her passing and playmaking uh you know the shot selection is the shot selection at this point uh but it's good to see, like, I she took more of those shots, kind of like those tweener kind of pull-ups, kind of floaters, and uh, hit them uh, in this game. So, I mean, if you're hitting them, I'm not going to complain too much. But uh, it's really, really the kind of quality of shots that you're getting. I think Renaya, especially for being a freshman, is as good of a decision-maker with the ball in her hands in terms of her passing and her vision as anyone it's just if we can kind of dial in what's a good shot and what's not with her i think she can really be one of the most impactful players on this team and with paulina being out i believe uh i think it was whoever carolina's sib was during the post game presser uh listed her as day to day whatever that means for carolina um we've been known to know day to day could mean anything uh, Renaya is going to see a lot more of the floor, whether like just out of necessity. So having someone that can run an offense, take some of the load off of DK for a little bit and make good decisions with the basketball is very vital. Uh, you know, get better with the shot selection, but you know, for the most part, Renaya played really well. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. And I 
I would love to get everybody's thoughts real quick on Maria. It feels like there were there were some games where, you know, we'd all sort of been saying we got to just feed her more in the post. She's unguardable down there one on one for most players that she's going to be facing. And it felt like that had upswung. Um, and I haven't seen the you know, the exact breakdown, but it feels like they have not been getting her isolated on the block as much and just dumping the ball in and letting her go to work. Um, she's still being very effective. I mean, she was four or six from the floor in this game. Um, and you know, did, did tremendous work with the, with the touches that she got, but it's the, is this a, a product of opponent or is this a, a strategy that is more to do with how they think this offense functions best with some of the injuries and the new parts they've plugged in? Um, Terry, let's let's go to you first there. Do you, do you have any thoughts on on what might be the reason behind that? Yeah, in, in my opinion with Maria, I don't think she play as aggressive as she needs to. Um, the whole game. I feel like there are some plays that she just kind of take the possession off and she's just like, you know, down in the paint, just not really posting as hard as I think she should. Um, but like I said before, like, I feel like she should be taking 10 to 15 shots a game. Now, granted, our guards have to do a, a good job of getting her the ball, but also she has to do her part and post up and seal her man um, so that they, you know, will feel comfortable, you know, throwing the ball in there to her. Um, and also to, you know, I think she's still kind of playing her way into game shape. Like I know we're kind of almost like halfway through the season, but you know, she doesn't really play a lot of minutes at a time. And I don't think she's played a 40 minute game. I actually don't even know what her high, her highest minutes played, um, a game this year, but I feel like she only plays between like 20 and 30 minutes a game if that. So um, I don't know. I Looking at her play, I feel like she's not as aggressive as she needs to be the whole game. Um, but when she's on, she's on. She's very efficient. Um, and I still feel like she should be taking at least 10 shots a game. A game. Yeah, she has been hovering right around that just a shade over 20 minutes a game, Mark, um, for the past little while here. And I, you know, mercifully, uh, unlike our guard rotation right now, mercifully, we have a pretty healthy uh, group of posts. Um, but I would just love to love to know what the what the think. And, you know, as you said, some of it is maybe she's not sealing off or establishing position down there. Um, but it just doesn't seem like that the effort to to make sure that we get those touches for her is, is being as consistent as it was a little earlier on in the season. Anthony, are you, are you seeing anything there that, that we need to be looking at more closely or is it just uh, like, was Terry pretty much have the, have the long and short of it as far as just, you know, if we got a little more seal and solid position down there that she'd be getting more touches. Um, yeah. So I've seen from the opponents, um, she's getting a lot more doubles. She's getting a lot more attention and they're being a lot more aggressive with her. Um, if we look at the last games or the last ga the games where she didn't do so well, they had like a dominant post that was very like strong and aggressive. And in my opinion, from what I'm seeing, she doesn't do well with physicality. That's why we IE see Anya now a little more down in the post opposed from her. Um, yeah, that's that's what I've been seeing. You know, when when they when they get real physical with her. 
And you know, she's a slim, she has a slim frame. Uh, she reminds me of a Dewana Bonner slim frame. And you know, you get somebody such as uh what's the post name from Virginia? Um, I can't even think of her name. But anyway, uh like a like a wider body or or, or a more bigger body, it, it it throws her off. Granted, you know, she'll get free and um, you know, she'll get put backs and whatnot. But um, I think she's been more focused to she's she's the top of the scouting list. From the opponent side, that's what I think it is. They're just focusing more on her, and it's just being more physical with her. You know, I, I'm just seeing she doesn't necessarily like physicality. If y'all go back and look at the games where she hasn't done well, um, majority of that is because the other opponent it was very physical with her. Yeah, and I don't. I try not to harp on this because I feel like over the course of a season it will just kind of all even out at some point. And I know we've said specifically on this podcast we're not going to do too much uh in this particular vein of complaints but my god almighty the officiating in this game was first of all they were way too whistle happy and secondly um i was talking about this with a couple folks on twitter afterwards there was no consistently consistency rather with who was allowed to get away with what when and you're talking about being physical with Maria down low. Yeah, so some of that involved flat out mugging her and putting moves that would have been questionable in a high school wrestling meet on her down there. There was some there was some stuff that they let them get away with that was uh that was over the line in my opinion and they only got worse after Jeff Waltz got in one of the officials ear and did his uh grumpy screamy Jeff Waltz routine about midway through the second quarter um and it felt like they swallowed their whistles on the cards and kept blowing them on us after that to an extent um so that that uh again we 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 try you know harping about the refs makes it sound like people are making excuses which we certainly never want to do we want to call things as we see them but th- this was uh this was this was fairly egregious uh, to my eye. And Andrew, I I, <laughs> I know you said you didn't want to talk about the officiating anymore, but I also saw some some of the things you put up on Twitter after the game about like you know there's there are some things that are just not acceptable here. Do, 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 would you care to voice anything um, as particularly relates to Maria and some of the abuse she got down low, or just more in general with the officiating in this one? I'm gonna try and be nice. Um, cause I, I really don't for, for myself personally, and also for the podcast, I really don't want to make a habit of complaining about officiating. Once Lexi picked up her second foul in the first quarter, I was like, I was like, it's, I'm going to bite my tongue today. Like, I'm not going to let it bother me. And then they just, the ticky tack whistles just kept coming. Like, and the whole time, and I watched it back on film today and most of them, I was like, you could really let that go man uh for what it's worth you know i I thought unc got away with a lot of stuff too and they uh louisville got called for some fouls on deja that i thought were fine uh so if you want consistency i thought that was a little consistent i thought they were just way too quick with a whistle on both sides on this one some of the offensive foul calls like in the post were just very suspect to me um 
Kelly Graham, like if anyone watched the broadcast uh, mentioned during the third quarter, like it really felt like both teams were not really playing basketball and more so just trying to sell fouls. And that was kind of really how I felt watching it back to. Um, it was one of those things, man. Like, I, who knows how that game goes if there was a little bit more, bit more physicality involved. Um, but certainly, certainly not the greatest officiated game I've ever seen. That's that's what I'll say on it. Yeah, that was I. <laughs> that was very diplomatic, sir. I was I I had my 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 hand on the button. I was waiting for you to like get the get the deep breath ready and me just have to hold down just <laughs> for however long you wanted to go off about that. But um, yeah, we actually, this was weird. We were leaving and we saw Kelly walking back to her car and she just had one of those metered spots on the street by Carmichael. I was like, damn, we can't even get, we can't even get this woman a, a, a parking pass. She's lovely, by the way. I really like enjoy it when she calls our games. Like, very knowledgeable. Really understands the schematic parts of it. Really understands uh, the strengths and weaknesses of each player. She's just a delightful person uh, to have call your game. So, yeah, let's get her a parking pass if nothing else. It's, I think that's more than deserving for someone as great as Kelly Gramlich is on the mic. I I agree. She is an absolutely delightful commentator. Um. But brother, you weren't <laughs> you weren't here when she was an absolute thorn in our side back when she was putting shots up for Clemson. Um, <laughs> I much prefer her on a mic to uh, to torturing us a couple of times a season. Um, but uh, let's Anthony, you you mentioned Anya. Let's let's get to the bench real quick. Um, Indy, I just again we we can't say enough just a just a dog just pure energy off the bench and really has does diversified her skill set in a just fantastic way uh 10 points four boards and assist two steals also fouled out um as a product of again um the overabundance of whistles um but four or six from the floor and it she only pulled once from behind the arc, but boy, howdy, it went down and it was huge. That trade took the roof off Carmichael, man. That was a, that was a big shot and a big moment. And she's just been awesome. Um, speaking, speaking of Anthony bringing up Anya, um, as, as you said, sir, um, man, she is, she is our most physical presence down there for sure. Um, Four points, eight boards, and a block, and just does—is there a human being on God's green earth that rebounds, miss free throws better than Anya Pool? I—I I, I would love to see them if they exist. I don't think they do. She is just so good at that, and and really making those count, and and the way she grabs boards and hustles and gets putbacks, just she's fantastic and T you know kind of steadily hovering right around that 10 to 12 minute mark um I don't know whether we'll see them increasing her uh minute load uh at any point um and she's just playing back in game shape or whether that's about kind of there where they've settled on her her most um effective sort of minute dosage per game here but um she was fantastic once again um 
you know, uh, two points, two boards, two blocks. So not, you know, the stat sheet doesn't jump out at you there, but just really, really a burst of energy. And I, with the caveat that this was a very limited sample size and um, context dependent and all of that, I, th I thought that the moments that she and Anya were on the floor together and particularly defensively, um, the two of them were just a really just outstanding tandem down there. Um, I thought there was just some really gorgeous flow between the pair of them, some real understanding defensively on where they needed to be and how to help each other to maximize sort of covering space and cutting off lanes. I just, that was, that was one of those things where we only, we did not see it for very long, but I, I just thought, Oh man, let's, let's earmark that. That was really neat. Um, so let's let's uh, let's get y'all's thoughts on on the bench play here, um, Anthony. Let's let's start with you, buddy. Take it wherever you want to. What'd you see out of our bench players? Man, I love it. I love the fact that we can come in and make an impact immediately. Um, <clears throat> uh, I'm a big fan of AP coming in off the bench. I was I was a little worried about just how the chemistry would go with. You know, with social media and everything, and, you know, people keep constantly repeating, oh, she was starting previously, this, that, and the third. But her coming in off the bench gives us that experience that, you know, Maria may necessarily not have. So I'm okay with that. T, Tiani, she's coming back. You know, she's coming back from an injury. She's getting back into game mode. She had a massive block that I think, um, I think it was like maybe in a, was it in the second quarter? I can't remember, but it was a very massive block. And um, it was just it was just so good to just see her, you know, just just being aggressive. And, um, you know, she went to the free throw line a couple of times and made her shots. And I just feel like Navarre is just before I, I, I'm, I'm going to go on air and I'm going to say this before Navarre graduates. She is going to she's going to get us some championships like that. That kid is is she's very talented, like. I never seen a person can go up and you know they'll, they'll shoot an air ball, and she catch it as soon as she shoot it. I'm like, how the heck? How in the world did she get over there to catch the ball and put it up? So she's just talented, and you know I I love that kid. Like you know I just love her hustle. You know the game has tremendously slowed down for her, and I'm just happy that she's uh she's thriving. She looks happy. You know she's always got a smile on her face, and um I'm here for it. You know I'm not necessarily too much worried about having a real, real deep bench. Unless we got a couple of posts, um, you know, a guard or two that can come in. I, I think, I, I think I'm pretty, I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Terry, let's, let's hit you next. Um, how did you feel about the bench play here? Um, cause they, they were very, very critical. Um, especially when we were kind of trying to hold that lead down the, down the stretch late there. Yeah, I loved it. You know, I talk a lot about, you know, knowing your role, like knowing what you're good at coming in and not doing any more than what you need to do to help this team succeed. And I am really, really loving India's like play, like watching her play. I'm like, I don't understand how she wasn't able to really find any minutes at Stanford. But you know what? Glad she's back home in the Tar Heel State wearing that Carolina blue and white. Like I, you know, like Anthony said, like, She's going to be a beast in the future, and I definitely see that. Like, I, I love her game, and so I'm excited to watch her grow. You know, Anya, like Anthony also mentioned, you know, she was used to starting, and now as a senior, she's coming off the bench. But, you know, I think that speaks to her character. 
um, a senior who's just willing to do whatever the team needs um, in order to be successful. So, you know, I, I am loving, you know, the bench play uh, this season and key, like you guys also mentioned, finding her groove, you know, I think she's going to be really, really good uh, by the time, you know, she's a junior and even a senior. So I'm excited to watch them continue to grow. Yeah, for sure. Andrew, uh, close us out here to talking about the bench. What would you like that we saw out of this game here? Yeah, another game of Indian Navarre doing all the Indian Navarre stuff that we've gotten used to since we've hit the new year. Uh, going after loose balls, rebounding and crashing like crazy, cutting uh, on a consistent basis, finding ways to be active doing a lot of like the stuff that we're used to seeing Alyssa do uh India probably doesn't have like the same offensive skill set that Alyssa does but she is doing all of those little things that are contributing to winning that quite honestly we didn't see from her in the in the non-conference uh Anya Pool a lot of the same <clears throat> really getting after it on the glass i think eight rebounds and like I don't even know like 14 minutes that's outstanding efficiency uh outside of maria she has been by almost every metric that i can find the most efficient player that carolina has had this year uh which is saying a lot and kind of that consistency in that rock solid base is comes from that experience of being a starter and accepting that role off the bench and just thriving in it uh can't say enough about that and Tiani's given some really good minutes these last couple of games. I still think that some of the decision-making as a playmaker is just nowhere near where it needs to be at yet, but she's impacting shots on both ends. I think she really bothered some of those mid-range jump shooters that Louisville had a steady diet of, and they've kind of feasted in that mid-range, especially uh, guys like Cochran and Rickards and Jefferson really kind of, bothered those shots and if she didn't block them i think she had two blocks if i'm not mistaken but definitely altered them just because she's so long and she understands positioning well uh she's not much of a gambler she doesn't foul she does a lot of things right on that end and she's got a nice touch out from out to almost the three-point line pretty much uh you know just some of those things, like I've mentioned before, like getting better as a passer, you know, CB's talked about, she's still very young, very inexperienced. So she's got a lot of room to grow as well, but, you know, coming with only three off the bench, Louisville sent five off the bench and they more than held their own. So uh, really good bench play from us in that one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just um, going off that theme of efficiency, um, this I I did not go back and look, but this this had to have been close to, if not our best shooting game as a team of the year so far. Uh, forty nine percent from the floor. Uh, red. I mean, rounding off, we've got point nines on the last couple of these, so I'll just go ahead and bump them up here. So forty nine from the field, forty three from behind the arc, and seventy four percent at the stripe. Um, which you know, if those, I mean, I don't think the forty three from from deep is gonna get a hold but if those percentages can stay around those those benchmarks that's gonna bode very well for us moving forward here um 
And really, I, I, you know, the numbers bear it out. It was 42 to 28 rebounding advantage. Um, I did think that despite all of the sort of dirty and physical play that was going on um, down low there, they, we were just, we were the, we, we had the, we had the bigger, badder dogs in us um, on the glasses game for sure, which was good to see. Um, and yeah, just a, just a great team win um, shorthanded, which it, you know, it's just looking like they're going to be for a little bit here. Um, obviously K Mac is out for the year and P um, you know, they, they said day to day, but she was, she was, I mean, she was not on crutches, but she was not. Um, T- Terry, were you there early enough to see her walking around pregame and, and see this? She did, she did not look good. Yeah. Anthony and I, um, did see her. Oh, I'm sorry, of- brother. I didn't know. You, I didn't know you were with us too. Yeah, he was in the house finally, but I, I can't talk because I've missed a few home games this season too. But we were back in the building. We did see her walk around during pregame, and I, I looked at Anthony and I said, I think she has a knee brace on under her warm-ups just because the way she was, her leg, it wasn't, didn't look like she was like really bending it. So yeah, um, well wishes and, you know, good luck with the speedy recovery to her. Definitely a knee brace. Um even if your knee is sore, you just, yeah, it's it's definitely a knee brace. You can even see the bulginess kind of, in a sense, under her pants. So, yeah, it's definitely one of those uh, uh, dope knee braces, those those type of knee braces that, you know, I guess a orthopedic or, or a doctor would definitely give you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, one, uh, one, one shout out right quick to the, the I don't know if y'all saw this, um, on Twitter, or I forget whether it was Tar Heel blog or um, Keeping It Heel, whichever um, had this. But there were some dudes that were uh, they they had floor seats down to the left of where our seats are. That I just want to want to give a hat tip to because this was dope. They uh, they had brought jerseys for everybody on the team. And there were five people sitting down there and every time they changed the lineups on the floor, they would change jerseys to match who was on the floor. And I just thought, okay, that is a a level of commitment that is above and beyond for fandom and B just just dope. Like what a what a fun clever little thing. What a what a smart idea. So Shout out to those folks, whoever they may be, and we hope to keep seeing y'all out there. That that was just really, really cool to see. Um, shout out to my boy Jordan, who did I, I believe captured the uh, the first bit of investigative journalism video that that caught them doing this. But it was it was really, really cool. So shout out to those fellows, whoever they might be. Um, moving on, and um, this I, I I am somewhat trepidatious here because we were talking about injuries just now. Um. We got Miami coming in Thursday night. Uh, once again, Carmichael, that'll be 8 p.m. tip uh, on ACC Network. And the concerning thing about this to me is a couple of things here. One, Miami, okay, 12-5, and 2-4 and four in conference, not having a great year. This is a Katie Meyer coach team. She is the, the dean, the matriarch of coaches in this conference by tenure and always, always has tough, well-coached, disciplined squads, particularly defensively. They're not just going to roll over. They did just take out NC State. 
Um, and they're coming off a bye. They had a they had a break this week. So, I mean, not a bye in the sense that you would have one in, in the playoffs or whatever, but they 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 had a, a gap day where a game would have been for them normally on Sunday. So they're going to be coming in super fresh and well-rested. And as we alluded to earlier, you know, um, list clocked 30 minutes in this in the Louisville game. DK clocked 40 and did in the prior game as well. So we're... We're going to be some tired kids uh, going up against a team that's going to be extremely well-rested and rounding into form and feeling themselves a little bit, I'm sure, after taking out the Wolfpack. A couple of folks to watch for the Canes. Uh, Jasmine Roberts is averaging 11.2 points, 5.2 boards, and uh, pretty close to two steals a game. She's been very good for them. And um, Cheyenne Day-Wilson, late of Duke, uh, will just continue to terrorize us, apparently. Uh, she's averaging 10.2 points and 3.7 assists per game for them. Uh, three other players on the Miami roster averaging right around 8 points a game. So they do have a little bit of scoring punch uh, bolstering those two that we just mentioned. And Miami is, um, by the metrics I was looking at, uh, pretty close to us defensively. Um and also in terms of just like scoring margins and uh, both raw, unadjusted, and per 100 possessions, uh, they're they are shockingly close to us within one or two positions in their her hoop stats. I can talk uh, rankings nationally here, uh, but that that does evaporate uh, quite quite substantially when you start factoring in strength of opponent. Um, Carolina clearly has had a much tougher schedule than Miami so far and that is borne out as soon as you make that adjustment with the numbers but this is not going to be a cakewalk um, as we've reiterated over and over again no team in this conference is but this is going to be tough um, Andrew let's let's start with you first man um, what are we looking at and uh, what are some concerns going in uh, outside of the obvious disparities between rest and health between the two rosters right now yeah, Miami, I watched all of their conference games this week. Uh, so I've gotten to watch them quite a bit. Um, they play multiple defenses. They will play man. They will play zone. They are very good at both. This is a team that leans on their defense. Uh, Cheyenne Day Wilson, you know, if someone is transferring from Kara Lawson's program, I promise you they know how to play defense. Uh, they see the most zone out of anyone in all of Division One. They are seeing zone played against them almost 40% of all of their possessions. That is far and away. The only team that even comes close is Baylor at just above 35. Uh, that is a lot of zone. They are not super good at attacking it. I think at times they rush shots, they miss those high-low opportunities that Carolina has gotten really good at. And that's a bit surprising. Just you think after getting that many zone reps, you think your team would get a lot better at it. Um, They also turn the ball over on one out of every five of their possessions. So not super great at taking care of the ball against the zone either. So it'll be curious to see. I'm sure Carolina will play at least some zone, if not for large stretches, just because that's the trend. And it does seem to 
at least have some effect as opposed to their man numbers, which are slightly better. Um, also, if you think Carolina is a bad free throw shooting team, wait till you see Miami. Uh, they are shooting about 61%. Uh, so if you like missed free throws for some reason and you're one of those sickos, this is the game for you. The bottom two teams in the ACC in terms of their percentage. Uh, it's going to be one of those, like, if you think back to, like, Duke last year, it's going to be one of those, like, rock fight games uh, where probably a lot of offensive counters to how they're being guarded. You know, we'll see how much zone gets played. Um, and yeah, they're going to have to bring their A game because this is still Miami. And even though all the metrics and the film I've looked at tell me that they are due for some regression in terms of their strength of schedule, uh, you know, their their shot quality numbers aren't great either. Uh, it's still Miami. And is this still a team that beat us last year and went on a deep tournament run. So come to play. Uh, I believe, is this one at home or is it on the road? I forget. This is in Carmichael. Uh, and for what it's worth, uh, they did in fact beat us relatively soundly last year in Coral, Coral Gables. Uh, you are correct about that. However, I will point out the last time the Miami Hurricanes set foot in Carmichael. <laughs> A large and well-stocked trunk was popped. <laughs> and right. uh, we, the, the, Terry Anthony helped me out here. We we held up to eight points in the first quarter of that game and never really looked back. <laughs> yeah, we, um, we, we, we did kind of blow them out in the first half. Back to what Andrew was saying, though, they didn't, they, didn't you say they was at the bottom of the, um, they down at the bottom with us shooting free throws? Uh, yeah, they're even worse. I think Carolina, they bumped up their percentage. I think we're at about 66-ish percent. They're down at 61. So they mean they're going to shoot all their free throws on Thursday, more than likely. I wasn't going <laughs> to... More than likely. Honest, I didn't want to like, activate the curse, man. But like, look, it's I'm, like, it's like, man, we could play a team. We could play a team and, you know, they 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 are horrible. And then they, they get to Carolina, it's just, they can shoot the three. I'm looking forward to them shooting the three. Um, I know they're gonna play aggressive defense. You know that's that's Miami style basketball, aggressive, and you know they want to make it messy, and you know just 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 being very uh, uh just like a, a gnat in your ears, just just buzzing everywhere. So I, I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully we can contain them though, and just um pr pr protect the paint, and you know just guard them, guard them on a premier. Yeah, for sure. Terry, have you watched much of the Canes this year? Give us your thoughts on this one. I have not, to be honest. So um, ditto what Anthony said. Um, Nor Miami, they normally have some good guards. And I know Cheyenne Day-Wilson transferred there, and she always kind of have a good game when she played against us. So contain their guards, you know, like I said, play good defense, you know, hit our free throws, the things that we normally don't do well, hopefully we do well. Um, and we come out with another dub in the ACC. Yeah, we can, we can hope so. Um, let's hope the, let's hope the rest thing doesn't, doesn't bite us too bad there. That's kind of my main concern on this one. Um, 
Anyway, uh, again, dear listener, that is Thursday night. Uh, tip is at 8 p.m. Television, if you cannot join us in person, will be ACC Network. And um, y'all get on out to Carmichael. Man, they, the atmosphere for Sunday's game was was bumping, and we like to just keep that up uh, for sure. Um, also, shout out right quick to um, signee Blanca Thomas, who was in the building and got some love from the crowd, uh, was recognized during that game. Um Excited to get her down to Chapel Hill next season and keep this thing rolling here. Uh, let's hit some, let's hit some other results around the country. Let's start with the biggie here, y'all. Tara Vander Veer <laughs> now holds the all-time record for victories in collegiate basketball. Men, women, doesn't matter. One thousand two hundred and three career victories. Surpassing uh, that rat-faced gentleman who used to coach over in Durham. Uh, number eight, Stanford, uh, beat Oregon State in Palo Alto to give her the win. Uh, still without Cam Brink. I haven't seen the injury updates on her, but, man, Kiki Irifin, Iriafin, uh, pardon me, uh, put up 36-12 and 12 and was just a beast for them. Uh, but it was a really, really cool moment. Um and they credit to the Pac-12 Network for just kind of letting the postgame roll. They just bumped whatever they had planned to program, follow that game, and kept the cameras on for the entirety of the celebration. Um, it was really, really cool. They had Jennifer Azey and um, Cheney Ogumake there um, giving some some speeches and um, presented Tara with an absolutely dope like custom letter jacket with just a Stanford logo and then little like tick offs like you'd see like you'd be marking off like days on a calendar for every single victory she's ever had. Um, it was super awesome. And just um, again, cannot cannot give her enough credit. One of the one of the absolute matriarchs and pioneers of this game. Um, there was an excellent uh, article in Lindsay Gibbs's Power Plays newsletter uh, that I would encourage everybody to read about Tara and um how strongly she has worked to promote women. Um, I think she's had like one dude on any of her coaching staffs for 40 some odd years at this point. Um, and just everything she's kind of done for the growth of the game. Um, so just, just hats off to her on a truly, truly amazing accomplishment. Um, and just what, what an absolute legend. And we congratulate her, uh, out there in Palo Alto and she's not done yet by any means. Um, Outside of our game, uh, there were not a lot of upsets uh, in the top 25, although, of course, the biggie we do need to get to here. Uh, number 18, Ohio State, 100. Number two, Iowa, 92 in overtime in Columbus. Um, Kaylin Clark put up 45 and 7, um, but Iowa is the way they're built, man. Um, she can do that all she wants, and, you know, she is obviously one of the best hoopers in the country, but when she's not getting support and she didn't on Sunday, um, she can put up those numbers all she wants and Iowa might not have enough. And they didn't today or yesterday. Uh, Cody McMahon for the Bucks uh, continues to be uh, her with a capital H, uh, 33 points, 12 boards. Um, there was uh, something of a, uh, Briefly scary moment uh, during the court storming afterwards. Um, a fan ran into Kaylin um, as she was trying to leave the court and the fan was running on the court. Um, you know, I court storm, but do so 
um, not staring at your phone while you're running headlong places um, would be my sort of general rule on that. I know particularly in the SEC, they've been trying to tamp down on that um, in recent years, uh, which maybe the Big Ten should look at as well, just because, um, you know, and Caitlin wound up being being fine and all that, but, you know, it, that could have been could have been worse. Um, and it just, you know, I, I'm all for fans celebrating for sure. Um, but just maybe don't be looking at your phone while you're running blindly. Um, particularly when there are players still on the court. Um, but heck of a win for the bucks and, um, you know, just showing that Iowa is in fact mortal as well. Um, and then, uh, UVA man, Went down to tally, uh, 91-87 over number 15 FSU. Um, Kamora Johnson, just absolutely massive game for the Hoos. 35 points, 7 boards, 6 assists. Um, the Knowles have now dropped 2 straight, which um, is, you know, a contributing factor for us having the having the hold on the conference lead right now. Um Rest of the ACC, uh, speaking of two lost streaks, uh, Virginia Tech snapped theirs, um, handled Clemson uh, fairly easily here, but still no word on when they're getting Georgia Amore back after that hit injury she suffered in the Duke game. Uh, Liz Kitley, 31-8 and eight, um, for them in that one. Uh, NC State beat the Tar out of Duke. Notre Dame waxed Wake, and uh, Cuse smoked Pitt. Um, Tech played a pretty good win, pretty solid game against BC. Uh, so that was the rest of the conference happenings there. Um, anything that y'all saw from this weekend, uh, besides our game of things I mentioned or anything else you might've watched, um, that you just want to touch on and, and give a little shout out to Andrew. Let's start with you, buddy. Yeah. First of all, congrats to Tara, man, like 1200 wins in college basketball is a, mind-blowing number that is a incredible amount of excellence over a longer than i've been alive she's been coaching which that is wild to me so congrats to her uh and that stanford team is also a force to be reckoned with this year um i do want to touch on this i i, I did not get a chance to watch ohio state and iowa yet but i i do want to touch on this and maybe Anthony and Travis, you guys have been a part of a court storming in the past. I have never gotten to experience one. Uh, but I do recall earlier in the week, I think a clip went around online about uh, uh, it was Matt Painter, the Purdue men's head coach, talked about uh, they just got beat and he had some gripes about some of the court storming and really just kind of like the safety aspect to it. Um about how like someone's gonna get hurt one day doing this and like this was like a day or two later like this incident happened and you know not just like just some random bench player and not even just like a star player but like the premier like star in college basketball like gets into a collision during a court storming so i'm curious as to it if you guys have any thoughts on you know should there be some sort of like a protocol should like we wait so players leave the floor and then do your court storming or is this just like hey don't be on your phone kind of like travis said like i don't know i've never been a part of one like as a fan or as a coach obviously so i i don't know how really these things go down but that was something i was interested in and kind of 
Matt Painter kind of having the foresight to see like, hey, this is kind of dangerous for like the the Ohio State players, the Iowa players, uh, potentially some media. Um, just thoughts. You know, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that or if you've been a part of a court storming in the past, if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I got mixed reviews or mixed feelings, I should say. Uh, it's one of those things where you would think um, the security would at least try to escort, at least try to escort the former team um, or the or the team that you know is not home or whatnot. Um, yeah, I got mixed. I got mixed feelings. I mean, just uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just got mixed feelings. And my thing is just. Um, you got to be cautious. You got to be cautious when you're storming, not running into anybody. You know, you don't want to injure anybody. Um, but then again, when you've played a big game, uh, you got to realize this is something that could potentially happen. So let me get the heck out of the way. Um, yeah, so that that's where I stand at. Because I guess it doesn't happen as often. So, yeah. I just, I think that, I think that, you know, a suggestion about a rule in place where, um, you know, it has to, um, you have to have to wait until, um, the, the opposing team or the road team, whatever has, has left the floor. Um, I think that's a, a nice thought and it might, it might mitigate some of that, but let's be real about the fact that a large part of the, your crowd, and especially the ones that are going to be doing the court storming, are 18 to 22-year-old kids, um, a portion of whom have uh, probably uh, pre-gamed and are not entirely 100% sober, um, in the middle of a very emotional um, and big moment. And I, I just don't know. You know, I'm sure that they could... They could pass a rule like that. And they have. I mean, there's rules about, you know, if you if you storm the um if you storm the the field or storm the court or whatever, I know there's there's fines that do get levied depending on the circumstance and, and that kind of thing. Um but I just don't know how you're gonna how you're gonna keep especially college kids in the middle of a big game like that. I I just don't know how you're really gonna regulate that in any substantial way. Um and again, you know, it's not safe and it does, it's, it does feel, um, sort of dishearteningly inevitable that, that eventually somebody's going to get really hurt in one of these, you know, and not, you know, forget a player, but some, some random fan. Um, I remember, I don't remember whether it was the kick six game, but there was a there was an iron bowl a couple of years ago where kids were trying to storm the field um, at Auburn and got caught in the, the there's a there's a row of hedges that goes around the sidelines at Jordan Hare Stadium um, and got got caught. Some of them got caught in it and were kind of being pushed, you know, as more people were pouring over the the guardrails um, between the stands and the field, were kind of getting pushed down into these things. And it was, I remember watching it on TV and especially the re, some of the replays later and just, it, it, it was scary. Um, so it might not, you know, I, even if they get the, the players clear first, you know, it, it does seem like there's probably at some point somebody's going to at least get, get injured 
um, getting trampled by, you know, a whole mass of exuberant, um, you know, and certainly a good portion of them will probably be at least somewhat inebriated fans. Um, that just, that seems like it's, it's on the table, um, and probably more likely than not to happen. So I don't, I, I think some, some rules and regulations in addition to the ones they already have as far as fines for schools and athletic departments, which I know are at least in place, but I don't know specifically whether that's like a conference by conference thing or who exactly is delegating how all of that works. But I think you can pass all the rules you want. Um, I don't think you're going to keep a bunch of college kids off the floor or the field after a big win. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, and when you brought that up, I think I remember Notre Dame football had a similar incident, but I think there's the problem with theirs was they all stormed the field, but I'm also pretty certain that was like peak COVID. Uh, so I, I believe there were some fines for allowing that to happen as well, uh, but I could be remembering that wrong. I I don't know. I, I think particularly in... Well, I well the problem is Iowa sells out every game, like no matter where they are, it feels like. So maybe it wouldn't apply here. But I feel like in just taking like an example like Carmichael, which isn't like it's not small, but it's not like the Dean Dome either, like in terms of capacity. I feel like in in arenas like that, it would definitely be maybe slightly more manageable. But I, I think once you get into like those bigger arenas, I mean outside of just hiring a ton of security like on the off chance that there's an upset i i don't yeah i'm kind of with you on this travis i don't know how well you can prevent that but it is i don't know i just wanted to bring it up just because you know is there something that can be done here and is this you know we weren't talking about this uh when lsu got upset or uh any of the other games this year it's it's a fairly uh, because of you know this incident and you know because of matt Payne, you're bringing it up just a couple days before i was like you know maybe there is some room for growth here but i don't really know what those steps forward would be and maybe this is you know just an unfortunate incident and a fan not being super careful and caitlin herself really not watching where she was going and it's unfortunate I just, you know, uh, it would like to not see anything like that in the future because that could have been really, really a lot worse than what it was. Uh, yeah, and I just don't, I mean, I don't, Anthony, was it, was it three years, four years ago? When was the game? Because there was, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't to that degree, but there, there have been a couple um, when we were either ranked low or not ranked and took out state. Um, there was the 2018, uh, we were unranked and number one unbeaten Notre Dame came into Carmichael and we beat them. Um, I remember that. Um, I That was the first game I was ever issued a press pass for. I certainly would have stormed the court had I not been sitting at a media table. Um, but, um, yeah, I did. But there there have been some of those that have happened in Carmichael. Um, 
And, you know, I listen, God willing, I, I, I hope this team forever and ever gives us uh, gives us reasons to storm the court over over big wins. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what the solution is or if there really is one that could realistically be reached there. Um, Anthony, have you ever have, did? Andrew said he hadn't. Um, I have never stormed a court or a field um mostly because i'm old and my joints are creaky and frankly the some of the victories that have been i've been present for where that would have been warranted i was in the upper deck and just too lazy to walk all the way down there um but have you ever have you ever d- done that gone onto a field stormed a court anything like that <laughs> no nah, i'm wild but uh, i kind of stay in my lane um from that aspect um, you know, I just talk my ish and sit down, uh, try to be a good citizen. Uh, yeah, I'm not that type of guy. Yeah, I don't want to, you know, especially, especially, you know, it's an age gap. You know, I'm in my early 30s now. And, um, you know, you got 19, 20, 21 year old kids. So I don't, I don't know. I don't want to come off as creepy or nothing like that. So I just stay in my lane. You know, I've had my fun in co- I've had my fun in college. So, but I, I still don't remember storming a basketball or football court. I kind of always just been chilled and just kind of watched the game and then tried to creep up out of there before um, traffic, before traffic was, you know, played a part. So, yeah, nah. <laughs> you you were the old man going, come on, if we leave now, we can beat everybody out of the parking lot, even when you were young, huh? No, I'm passing the old man trying to get past him and get to my car. <laughs> <laughs> I hate traffic. I hate traffic. I have bad road rage. I hate traffic. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so y'all, uh, listener, uh, if you're if you're wondering why we haven't heard from Terry, um, she did have to go. She had a prior obligation, so she had to duck out. Um, so the three of us are just on here yammering like idiots. Um, but anyway, gentlemen, um. Should we wrap up for the evening here? I want to try and get this thing edited and put up for the folks to hear. And um, I think we've covered just about everything insofar as recapping a very satisfying win and talking about the Canes coming to town here on Thursday and hitting some other stuff. Um, again, shout out Tara Vanderveer. Um, ma'am, a, a, a true queen, a true legend and pillar of the sport. Um but any 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 final thoughts and uh, last minute last minute uh, sentiments you want to express before we sign off? Just one game at a time, one game at a time, ladies. Yeah, get a good win against Miami. Uh, did want to shout out Virginia for a really gritty win against Florida State as well. Uh, Florida State's dropped two in a row now, so. I'll have to dive in and see what's going on with them. But as far as Carolina goes, uh, yeah, I, I'm i not going to jinx this and say that it's a game that we definitely should win. But uh, I do think this is, you're at home. You've played pretty well against zone all year. Uh, and you've got a defense that can match their intensity. Uh, I, I, I definitely think that Carolina would have the upper hand in this one. So get a good win in Carmichael and uh, improve on that conference record and stay atop the conference. Uh, be good come seating time. 
Yeah, could not agree more. And uh, let's just hope to keep this win streak rolling and stay atop the conference where we are as of present. So uh, we'll go ahead and get out of here for the evening. Uh, this has been Carmichael Radio. I am Travis Lund signing off for Mr. Anthony Battle. All right, ladies. Let's get these dubs this week. Yes, sir. And Andrew Kurzel. Good to see you guys. Till next time. Go Heels. Yes, sir. Go Heels. Y'all be well out there.